Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Well, good morning. You know, we talked about in the last uh, section of Ephesians about uh, being shod with the gospel of peace. Y'all remember that? And I told y'all that uh, at Nathaniel's wedding, my, my, my soul fall off my shoes. And so for Father's Day, they gave me some new shoes. So I just wanted to sh- I tell you, I, I, so these are called chukas. I don't know if you've ever heard of chukas. So that was a new, chukas are a new genre of male sho- men's shoes. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, say I am shod with the gospel of peace, ready for that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, you know, I'm really excited about this new series uh, this summer on prayer, epic prayers of the Bible. And uh, my prayer is that this, you'll take this season uh, and really ask God to do a new work in your prayer life. All of us can grow in prayer. I know I certainly can. And there's, we all have another step, right? Another step towards God, moving closer to God. And prayer is one of the ways certainly to do that. And we're going to start, of course, here with one of the most iconic prayers, right? Uh, the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples. And it's in um, uh, Luke 11, and it's in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to bounce a little bit between those. Um, so you can kind of put your fingers in those different sections. But we call this the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you know, we want to recite the Lord's Prayer. You know, we could all do that probably by memory. But really, this is the disciples' prayer. It's a prayer that the Lord gave to disciples. As a matter of fact, there's things in this prayer that Christ would not say. He would not say, forgive me my trespasses, I forgive those who trespass against me. Because he doesn't have any trespasses, right? So he's giving this to us as, uh, for us. It's a prayer for us. You know, we think about prayer, and uh, a lot of times we think of it as a way for us to get God to act. And certainly it is that. But I would argue and encourage you to think of prayers, especially as you look at the Lord's Prayer, that prayer, God uses prayer to move us. Prayer is primarily about me moving towards God. Yes, God uh, promises to answer our prayer and respond, uh, but really prayer uh, is more of what God wants to do in my life. And so that's what uh, I encourage you to, to pray to him. God, what would you want to do in my life? How would you want to move me through prayer this summer? Now, it's interesting because in the Gospels, Jesus spends most of his time talking about how not to pray, (laughs) things that we shouldn't do in prayer. And that's true here, especially in the passage in Matthew. And I won't, for the sake of time, go and read those verses in the first part of Matthew uh, chapter 6. But he he says a number of things. He says, you know, uh, like the Pharisees, we shouldn't perform in prayer. We shouldn't, uh, you know, pray... uh, so that uh, we can somehow be more spiritual. And a lot of people think, well, I can't pray publicly because, you know, I don't know what to say. And you feel as if there's some sort of spiritual vocabulary that we should only use for prayer. You know, put in the these and the thous and the, you know, uh, the King James language. But we, so I'll be honest with you, praying publicly is one of the things I'm probably the most uncomfortable doing. Uh, and uh, 
the reason for that is because it's so easy for my flesh to kick in and thinking, okay, did I say that in the right way? Does that sound spiritually impressive? Does that say it sound like something a pastor would pray that people would expect a pastor to, you know, sprinkle pastor dust on him? If you need some pastor dust, just consider yourself blessed. Uh, but I don't like that. I don't like being in that position. Now, I, I believe we need to lead prayer just like we need to lead worship. So I'm not saying you should never pray publicly, but... Um, we got to be careful in our own hearts, our posture. And we, Jesus said, don't pray hypocritically. Uh, and that means when we pray for things, we need to be willing to be a part of the solution. And we need to be willing to move. We need to be willing to act. It's not just like, God, will you act? It's, oh, will I act? Will I move? And, and, and align my life with the words I'm saying. Am I practicing what I'm praying? We talk about practicing what we're preaching. We need to practice what we pray. But we also don't pray to prove our spiritual goodness. Uh, you know, prayer doesn't make me more spiritual, right? The more I pray, the more spiritual I am. Pat myself on the back, you know, check off a box. And a lot of times when we, it was easy for us to use, okay, if, if I spent time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer today, I feel better about myself, right? If I haven't spent time with the Lord in prayer for a long time, I, I feel shame or guilt. And I don't feel like I don't measure up as much. Well, it's not about measuring up. That's not what this is about. Um, and, it, you know, and it's not to impress anybody. And Jesus also says that we shouldn't pray in mindless repetition, that this isn't just about repeating a mantra. You know, uh, uh, in some religions, they'll even write prayers on, on a spool, and you spin it as if by spinning a, a prayer written on a spool that somehow you're racking up points, you know, uh, like, on a, like on a pinball machine. <laughs> the score is going higher and higher the more time it's repeated. Um, and so, uh, because of that, what I want you to think about is the Lord's Prayer is a pattern of prayer and not a prescribed prayer. Jesus had just said, don't, don't pray mindlessly repeating like the Gentiles. And unfortunately, we've kind of made, we can make the Lord's Prayer into this scripted prayer that I have to pray these words because this is what Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. That's not what Jesus was trying to say. He's actually giving us a pattern for prayer. And I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer, and maybe this would even be an exercise for you this summer, to use it as a structure for, you know, whenever, however long, to just pray through it, phrase by phrase, stop with a phrase, sit with it for a while, right? And then pray around that, pray out what that means, what the Holy Spirit moves in your heart from that phrase. Because prayer is, and like all the spiritual disciplines, uh, Dallas Willard says this, they're a trellis. They're trellis on which our spiritual life grows, in which their patterns or their their practices, their disciplines, um, and that's what Jesus is giving here. And uh, in spiritual formation, they'll talk about a, a rule of life or a rule of prayer. And really, he's giving a rule of prayer here. Uh, this is just a, a pattern to take us, to take our heart through, like like the like the, think of it like the stations of the cross, if you would. Um, you know, for us to. Uh, to uh, 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 journey through, but it's not a prescribed prayer that we should only pray these words and we should pray these words exactly every time and we, we need to pray them as often as we can um, because these words are not a magic formula, right? Uh, this is not a spell that we cast by saying just these words and, and think of our faith that way, but it is something we need to unpack and I encourage you to unpack it. But Jesus goes on and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I know that you know you should pray. 
Uh, we all know that, right? And I'm not here to put more guilt on you uh, or more shame that you haven't prayed enough. Uh, we can all certainly pray more. But what I want us to think through, look at the Lord's Prayer with a specific lens this Sunday, this, this morning. I want you to pray, look with the lens of why pray. Why pray? Because I think if we understand more uh, the reason behind this, it will draw our hearts more into it. In Luke 11, in that passage, Jesus says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said to them, When you pray, say... This all started by Jesus' prayer life. He was modeling this. The disciples saw what Jesus is doing. They saw Jesus' relationship with his father, and they wanted that as well. And so they asked him. And uh, Jesus, uh, here, this is, you know, Jesus' discipleship 101, right? This is him doing the transferable concept of prayer with his disciples. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so um, he, he gives them something that is very simple, it's very practical, and it's very easy to reproduce, something that they could teach a faithful man who could teach others also. And so that's why it's given. The Lord's Prayer models a number of aspects of prayer, and some of you all have used different acrostics, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Um, uh, there, there's different ones that you can use. Uh, but this, you know, the prayer touches, starts on praise with God, deals with intercession for God's rule, his kingdom, petition for his provision, petition for protection, confession of sins, and doxology. And so uh, this is where, this is how you can see that this is a pattern of prayer as opposed to just a set of words that we, we need to say. It's interesting, in, in Bible translation, there are a number of tensions and issues if you're a Bible translator. I've never done Bible translation, but I did work with the Jesus film as a, as a translation producer. And in these passages, these key passages of Scripture are kind of holy cows in the, in the, in the the Lord's Prayer is one of them. So, you know, when translators do this, they, have, they, they can't move far away from the way that it was said in the King James. We're used to hearing it. Our ears are used to hearing it in a certain way. And so that's why there's a lot of uniformity in the text. Um, but some of it, unfortunately, is just based on tradition, and we're going to get to that. First of all, Jesus says we need to pray to grow in relationship. Pray to grow in relationship. The first phrase, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, it's interesting because he doesn't say my Father who is, who are, who's in heaven. My Father who's in heaven. Uh, we, we think of prayer in, an, in terms of our individual devotional life or individual piety life. But Jesus here says this in a collective hour of community. God in his Godhead has always existed from time immortal in community. Jesus is God the Son communicating to God the Father. And the interesting thing is he now includes us in this we. When Jesus says we, when he says our, he's saying he's including us in the same community, the same fellowship, the same intimacy that he has with his Father. And so this is something that uh, we grow in as a whole church, right, collectively in, in terms of our community as well. Uh, and so um, uh, uh, Jesus uh, says to him, our Father... For 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be your son, my sons and daughters to me. So says the Lord God Almighty. Is everybody a child of God? Can everybody call God Father? No. John 1.12 says, For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. By faith, Ephesians 1, we just talked about this, is through faith in Christ, we now have adoption 
as sons, right? And God is now our Father. This is one of the main concepts that Jesus came to, to, to explain. And there are some instances in the Old Testament of God being called a Father, but not as a primary uh, uh, category to think of him through. And, and Jesus introduces this, and it's a very radical in his life and his own prayer life, um, even. Uh, and so that's why it's interesting that he starts here with the fatherhood of God. In Forge, you know, we talk about identity. It all starts with identity as men. I'm a deeply beloved, redeemed son of the Most High God, right? Understanding I'm a son of the Most High God. He is my Abba. He loves me. I'm deeply beloved. Women, you're a deeply beloved, adored daughter of the Most High God. Um, it's that relationship. We need to grow in relationship. Prayer is a way to grow and take steps in and experience that intimacy in practical ways. Um, we can call God our Father. Now, this is interesting because for me to be able to call God our Father, as 1 John 1 12 implies, I have to trust in the work of Christ. The gospel is actually included or assumed here in this first uh, opening phrase of uh, the Lord's Prayer, because it's only through Christ, it's only through the cross. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one goes to the Father but through me. And so we start out with our standing in grace, our standing at the cross. Uh, and so I know we think of this phrase as really focusing on, on God's identity, but really this also implies and includes the work of, of, of the gospel. John 3.16, it explains this for it, right? For God so loved the world, God the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten what? Son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. What is eternal life? John 17, 3. This is eternal life, to know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So knowing God is, is involved in uh, the gospel. And unpacking the gospel, standing in that, Right, soaking in that, marinating in that, and, and our identity in Christ and who God is that he now has declared himself, claimed us to be our father. Um, uh, but, so we need to grow in our, in our relationship. Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, can also help us grow in holiness. Uh, verse 9 talks about our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, so we're telling God to make his name hallowed. Can God make his name more holy? No, God is holy. He's already holy. He can't become more holy, right? So why would we be asking God for his name to be hallowed or be made holy? Well, um, uh, when we pray this, um, hallowed be your name, um, uh, what we're actually praying is may your, may your name be uh, made holy or esteemed as, as holy, um, is, is what we're saying. So this is an appeal to God to sanctify himself. Rather, this is an appeal to God to act in us as his people so that his name will not be profaned among the nations. You get this? So here's the, verse, here's the, here's the passage that comes from in Ezekiel 36. This is the background. It has to do with Israel and how Israel profaned God's name. And he now says, I'm going to call for myself a new people this new people is not going to profane my name. This new people is actually going to live out holiness so my name is esteemed. My fame is actually lifted up. Therefore, say to the houses of Israel, thus says the Lord, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my 
great name. It's been profaned among the nations, in which you profaned among them. And the, na- the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before my eyes. I will take you, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into our land. Now, this is where, obviously, we're... Uh, the Gentiles are now included in the gospel. This is the mystery that Paul talked about. This is what he talks about when he says that we're now made one. But why is God going to do this? He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from your uncleanness, and all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. We talked about that, the spirit giving us the heart of Christ I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's now going to give us the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of Pentecost, the Holy Church. Why is that? So that we can actually live out the character of God consistent with him so his name is not profaned. We're praying, God, please work through your people so that now work through my life. Don't let me profane your name, Lord, but let your spirit grow your holiness in me. And so that's why we're saying that prayer actually is a way for me to go to God to grow his holiness in me. Um, but Jesus goes on. And what he's talking about here is, is how we need to grow his, the reign of Christ in our life. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom, his will, right? We're talking about his sovereignty. We're talking about um, that, uh, that God's character, his moral uh, 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 law will be lived out, and the reign of Christ will be um, uh, made evident, right, on earth as, as it is in heaven. Um, so uh, we're praying for Christ's kingdom to come, but the place it needs to come first is in our life. If we're not willing to pray for the kingdom to come in our life, it's got to be, you know, Lord, start with me, as, as, as the hymn says, Right? Um, Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, his kingdom, he rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his Lord. Bless the Lord, all you hosts and do, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist is saying, let me also follow the dominion of the Lord and do what he says, just like the angels did, so that his name will be blessed so that his kingdom will come, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, around us, we certainly see uh, other kingdoms that are trying to take control, right? Um, and, and so we have to live out the radical truth of the gospel, the radical uh, testimony of, of God's character of holiness and rightness and correctness and purity and love and truth, right? Right? Um, to, but we need to grow that rain through us. And prayer can help us do that. It can help us recalibrate our hearts. But Jesus goes on, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, is this just about asking God to provide for us? You know, do I need God to, to be better at provision? No, God's providence is actually an aspect of his character. He already is a provident God, a providing God. But this is aligning my heart in dependence for his provision. I'm trusting God as opposed to trusting myself, right, for my daily bread. And it's all too easy to do that, especially here in America where we're, we're taught to be self-made people, right, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, 
Give us this day our daily bread. What is daily bread? Well, daily bread is uh, what I need each day to nourish my body and my soul, right? And, of course, the image that he's hearkening back to is of manna in the desert, right? When God every day gave the people of Israel, when they're in the wilderness, manna from heaven. But the thing about manna was it, was it went bad. It was only good. You had to get it every day. You had to gather it every day. You know, daily bread is something we have to go to God for. You have to go to God as our living bread, which is what Christ said he was. He is the living bread, right? Um, that we have to go to him on a daily basis uh, in order to fill us and to sustain us. God does not give you grace for tomorrow, sustaining grace. God gives you grace for today, right? And I've got to stand in faith in that. A lot of times we like to pick up the problems of tomorrow, potential issues and what could happen, fears and worries. God doesn't give you grace for your worries. He gives you grace for the problems that you have in front of us. And you need to release those to him because you need your daily bread for today. Um, but he goes on and says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Uh, now, did, if I don't pray this prayer, am I not forgiven by Christ? Is that what he means? Do I have to pray you know, every day as often as I can? Because if I die with unconfessed sin, I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to hell. Is that, is that what this is about? No, we know that if you've... Uh, placed your faith in Christ, God's already taken the, the righteousness of Christ and imputed it on our behalf. He's already uh, stamped our debt as canceled, right? Um, but what he's talking here is about practicing forgiveness. This is more what John, uh, the, John is talking about in his epistle in, in John uh, 1.9. You know, he says, if you think you don't have sin, he's talking to believers, you're a liar. You don't, even really, you don't really know yourself. You don't have self-awareness. What does he say? He says, um, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us all in righteousness. This is about practicing short accounts with God and short accounts with other people. Lord, help me to keep short accounts. Help me to bring to you quickly what, I, what, would you, what I've done um, that's short of your character. And Lord, let me release quickly those who also have, uh, who've also wronged me. Um, John Stott, you know, uh, it was is someone that I've really gotten a lot from, um, pastor in England, theologian. He says this, he says, Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, on the other hand, we have exaggerated view of the offenses of others, it proves that we have minimized our own. I can, I can let go, release you from the inexcusable that you have done to me. Why? Why can I forgive you of the inexcusable? Because God has forgiven me for the inexcusable that I have done with him. That's the greater debt, right? Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Guys, forgiveness has to be a daily, moment-by-moment -moment practice. It has to be a muscle that we exercise. Lord, grow that muscle in me. Uh, Lord, so that I can experience on an ongoing basis, appropriate the forgiveness that you've already, you've already given me. As Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. But the Lord has laid on himself the iniquity of us all. The debt is paid, and, and uh, you know, and of course there's, there's a uh, um, debate here, is, is, it, is it debts, is it transgressions? 
uh, he's talking about sin. Sin obviously has a price to be paid. Uh, and so uh, there's some ambiguity because uh, Matthew is probably here uh, actually translating from the Aramaic, which Jesus, Jesus would have been saying. So that's why it's, it's a little clear here, but the debt, unclear here, but the debt has already been paid. But he goes on and says that we also need to pray, lead us not to temptation and deliver us from evil. We need to pray about rejecting, grow in rejecting evil. We are going to be confronted by evil on all sides. We are being confronted by evil on all sides. We are being overwhelmed with an onslaught of attacks of evil in this culture. Lord, help us to not be tempted, but to deliver us from evil. What is, what is temptation? What's well, this enticement to, to not place our faith in God, but to place my faith in something else for that to give me life? Ravi Zacharias says that sin will take you farther than you meant to go. It will keep you longer than you meant to stay and will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what temptation is. It doesn't deliver what it advertised. And I'm tempted by the false promises of the world. And, and I tell the brothers that I work with on the island, you know, if you think coming here, you know, is going to release you from a battle, you're not going to be in a battle for your kids' hearts. Because that's what's pulling against us is the, is the weight of culture. Um, but also our selfish desires of our flesh and the lies of the devil. We talked about that last week in, from Ephesians chapter 6 about these fiery darts from the enemy, right? These are lies of Satan that I have to, that I have to identify and condemn. Um, does God lead us into temptation? Does God tempt me? God can lead us into situations that test us, but God does not tempt uh, anyone because uh, God is an evil. James 1 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised for those who love him. Let no one say that he is, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Death. The enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The end result of this is death, and we need to remember that. Um, uh, so Jesus is saying, he, re he recognizes that we live in an evil context. Cotton Mather, the, uh, the uh, Puritan pastor, uh, one of the greats, uh, said, you know, the ship was made for the sea, but God helped the ship, ship if the sea gets inside of it, right? We're made for an evil world, but when we drink the water around us, right, when we're boiled in the pot, um, uh, I was just watching Alone. I don't know if any of y'all have watched that uh, series on Netflix. They just put up a new um, season of it. Donna's out of town. She's at her mom's uh, birthday, which is today in Sarasota. So I was watching Alone yesterday, and these guys are dropped off in the wilderness, and it's kind of like, okay, last man standing, you know, see who survives. But the thing about it is you don't drink the water. Why? Because of Giardia, right? And, and once you get Giardia, it's all over. I mean, not that you're going to die, but you're going to need to get help because you're going to get dehydrated. You're going to get sick. That's the same. Th we don't need to drink this water around us because it's polluted. 
Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the Lord's Prayer ends up in its traditional uh, saying, that we were, if we were to recite it, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, and you see this, either it's made, probably not in your, if it's the NIV or the ESV, I don't think it even puts it in there. Uh, but you see, I put it in brackets, and sometimes you'll see it in, as, as a footnote, and then down below it'll have it. Why is that? Well, it's because there's debate about whether this is really in the text or not. Um, the, uh, the earliest manuscripts that we have, which is uh, Vaticanus and, and, and Sinaiticus, which of this of Matthew, which are around the fourth or fifth century, do not include this phrase. And a lot of the early fathers didn't include this phrase. Tertullian didn't, Origen, Cyprian, Ambrose, and Augustine. But there is a document called the Didache, which is from the second century, that did include it. Now, the Didache is not scripture, uh, but the Didache was a training manual for uh, candidates for baptism. And so it, it does include that in there. In um, later Greek manuscripts, later than the, since the 6th century, and these are the manuscripts that the King James uh, was mainly translated from, did end up including this phrase. And then after it was included in that, it got picked up by later theologians and fathers of the church. Was this original? Well, it's, it is true, you know, thine, God, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is true, Right? But it's probably not original in the text. Uh, probably this was aided, uh, you know, added later in the Didache and then somehow picked up by others in later manuscripts who added it back in as, as, uh, as a hymnotic tradition of the church to kind of uh, add on the end of it this, this doxology hymn, right, um, to facilitate a worshipful reading of this passage. Uh, and so... Um, that's really what it is, but it is true, and and uh, and so it's not necessarily a bad thing to say. Um, but it ends with Amen. Now, why do we end our prayers and say Amen in Jesus' name? Amen. So, when my, I grew up, I'm a PK. My dad was a Southern Baptist pastor for 20 years, and when, when growing up as a PK, what that meant was is that when we came to church, we all sat right here. My mom and I'm the youngest of six kids. We would all be right here, right? And my dad ended the service one day, and he called on one of the one of the uh, uh, dear brothers who was a deacon to give uh, the closing prayer. And this was Brother George, and Brother George was quite a prayer. And he began to pray, and Brother George, you know, began to tour Scripture through his prayer. And he, used to, and he toured the theological universe, you know, all the things that are true of God, and he kept circling around. Now, I used to do this in my prayers as I was five years old at the time, and I used to, I used to pray for everything I could so I wouldn't have to go to bed. i just keep praying, I'd keep naming all my teddy bears, and eventually my mom would say, David, say, say amen, David, say amen, David, just, just say amen. And Jesus said, amen, David. So I'm sitting there, and George is praying. He's doing this. He's praying on and on and on. And, you know, and, I, and I love people who can, who, whose prayers are so rich. You know, their prime rib. It's just filled with theological truth. My little five-year-old mind said, George, say amen. Say amen, George. <laughs> well, that ended the church service. <laughs> so, um, why do we say amen? Well, um, amen means so let it be. I agree with this. Lord, make this happen, right? 
And so when we're saying amen, we're saying I agree with Christ, right? I echo what he's saying. Uh, and I, 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 I believe, Lord, I believe these petitions that we're taking to you, and I trust that you're going to hear these and answer us. That's why we say in Jesus' name, amen. But don't just tack it on the end of your prayer as a mindless phrase. Jesus said, please don't pray with mindless phrases. Understand that when you're doing that, what you're invoking is the name of God, the name of Jesus, which is all of his character, it's all of his work, and it's his mission. It's all tied up in the name of God and the name of Jesus. And that's why we pray, right? Because ultimately, that's what it's all about, right? It's about... Prayer is about God. It's not about me, right? You know, and it's about the doxology, about him getting more glory from my life. Uh, we talk about what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. To bring him glory. That our life would, have, would be a doxology. May my life be a doxology that brings honor, glory to him. And John Piper says that the whole purpose of life, right, is to desire God. That's how, you, that's how you bring God glory is to actually enjoy his glory, enjoy his worth, taste and see that the Lord is God. May our lives be like that, Lord. May that be what, what it is as we do what we've said here. May we grow in intimacy with you, Lord. As we grow in holiness, as we grow practicing forgiveness, right, and as we reject evil and are a light and salt in the midst of, of a perverse and wicked generation. Lord, we do pray that your name would be hallowed, Lord. We pray that it be lifted up. The gospel, Lord, uh, uh, truth, that means that we can be adopted into your family. May that continue to spread out through us individually here at Crossway this week, Lord. Lord, may we practice forgiveness, God. Uh, Lord, may we trust in your provision. Even, Lord, when circumstances uh, seem to scream otherwise, and Lord, we feel like we're on our own. Lord, may we reject evil and, and be uh, lights of your character and your holiness. And Lord, may you get all the glory. May this not be what Dave does. May this not be what Crossway does. May this not be what any of us does. May we not build our own kingdom, but your kingdom, Lord. May you get the honor and the glory and the praise through our life, through our prayer life, as even this summer we ask you to grow it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.